We are continuing this morning in our series in Mark, the King and His Cross. And the, the idea behind this series is we want to look at Scripture, we want to look at the Bible and try and tease out what can we learn about Jesus and who He is and how does that apply to us today. So today we're going to be in Mark chapter 4, verse 35, Jesus calm in the storm. You might have guessed that from the slide behind me, the water-themed slide. Uh, and where we're reading today, Jesus, just before this point, has just done a full-on day of preaching and teaching and healing and ministering to the crowds of people that have been following him, and he's pretty tired. But the plan is to go to another area of Galilee where they are by boat, and they set off, but pretty soon, storms come in. And so, what we're going to read today in our passage is the disciples in this moment experiencing very real, very human emotions as they're caught up in this storm. And as a result of their fear, we're going to see that what they perceive and believe about Jesus in that moment is completely wrong. Okay, so we're going to be in Mark 4, verse 35. Does anyone need a Bible? Could you stick your hand in the air? Yes. Uh, Libby, why not? Yeah, from the site pastor herself. Brilliant. So, hands in there if you need a Bible. Libby will get it to you. And uh, the words are going to be on the screen as well. So we're going to be in Mark 4, verse 35. Here we go. That day when evening came, he, Jesus, said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall, that's a great word, came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and waves obey him. Jesus, we pray this morning that as we look at your word um, and as we try and pull it apart, God, that in the mix of all that, you would speak. Lord, whatever is on your heart for us to hear, Lord, we want to hear it this morning. And so we just pray for um, just an openness in our own minds and our own hearts just to receive whatever it is you want to give us today, Lord. Lord, we want to leave here full of your word and full of your spirit. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. So, as a result of this storm that we've just read about, we see the disciples drawing conclusions about Jesus in the heat of the moment that are completely wrong. You know, we're, so what we're going to be doing today is to look at this passage and ask the question, what are the right conclusions that we can draw about Jesus from reading this passage? And so for all of us, you know, we're talking about storms. We're all going to experience storms at some point in our lives. You know, for some of us, we might feel like we've never really went through a significant storm. Others, others of us will know that feeling only too well. And for some in this room, we'll be going through a season of being in a storm right now. And whatever applies to us, Wherever we're at, we want to be prepared as followers of Jesus for when the storms do come. What are the truths about Jesus that we need to remember and hold fast to in those moments when the storm hits? 
So that's what we're looking at today. The first truth that we need to know, we need to hold on to about Jesus when we're in the storm is that he is present. Now, one of my favorite things to do is to go out camping in the middle of nowhere and there's this really amazing walk where you go from Aviemore to Braemar and it takes a couple of days and it's stunning. We actually went with Chris on his stag do and I loved it so much. Were you shaking your head? It happened. We were there. And uh, I loved it so much that actually the next year I went back completely by myself because it was so good. And there was one spot in particular that I, I loved. And I'm going to paint a picture for you now. So join, come with me. Come with me on this adventure. You're, you're climbing this hill. And as you, as you get to the crest, as you look over the edge of the hill, you see this deep valley stretching out before you. And there's this beautiful lock. It's like a mile long long it's just like pure glass and then all around the sides are these huge big mountains and then right at the end there's this huge rock face with three separate streams at the top coming together to form one waterfall can see that you're there and around round the lock there's a sandy kind of beachy bit with all these grasses and it's lovely and I'm walking and I think this is where I'm going this is where I'm camping tonight and I've got it all planned out in my head guys it's gonna be beautiful I'm gonna camp I'm gonna wake up in the morning it's gonna be like na, 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 na. And I'll go care of the tent and I'm gonna go swimming in the lock and I'm gonna have my day of walking it's gonna be brilliant so romantic it's lovely Hazel hates camping she doesn't want to go there with me so I'm, I'm, I'm living the experience through you guys right now but so that's the plan I'm gonna I'm gonna pitch the tent right there on night beside the lock and this little sandy bit it's gonna be brilliant and as I'm taking the tent out the wind starts to pick up this is about seven at night and it's not too bad but you know it's, it's blowing a little bit and I'm thinking oh well, we should be okay so I start cooking my food get all that done and then when it comes time to turn in I go into the tent and the wind really starts to pick up at this point like it just goes up a gear like that and I'm thinking well this isn't good more time goes on and eventually the tent it's almost like it's trying to eat me that's what it feels like it's just like the sides of the tent are coming like that and the wind is just it's a constant noise like that and I can hear the tent poles are starting to creak and it feels like they're gonna snap and I'm sitting there thinking I am completely alone in the middle of nowhere this wasn't an expensive tent. I have really not planned this well. What is gonna happen? And so it gets to the point where it's like slapping my face like that and I'm thinking I need to do something. So I stick out a hand like that to hold the tent at bay. But then as soon as I do that, another bit of the tent there starts bulging towards me like so I get a foot out like that. And then the other side does the same. So eventually I'm lying on my back with all of my limbs stretched out, holding up different parts of the tent. You know when you see like a cartoon of like a dead animal and it's got his limbs in the I was basically like that. That was like 11 o'clock at night and I was just holding the tent. I am structurally critical to the tent at this point. If I give way, like it's game over, right? So I'm holding the tent like this. And then do you know how long this lasts for? Three hours. I'm stuck in this position and it's two in the morning and I'm, I'm nearly in tears. I'm like, I can't keep this up. Something needs to happen. And I think in this moment, back to this story that we've just read, Jesus calms the storm. What is it that Jesus says? He says, quiet, be still. And so as I'm lying there holding the tent, I go in my most commanding voice with my limbs up to the heavens, I go, storm, be still. Total silence. 
<laughs> and I just starts up again. I'm like, oh no, I thought I'd cracked it. In that moment, I was just like, this is the best thing ever. I actually did it. But no, the wind does not let up. It stops for like a brief moment and then it's just on again. The wind goes all night long. And I crawl out of my broken tent in the morning, completely exhausted, not had a wink of sleep, muscles aching. And do you know what I think in that moment? I think, thanks a lot, God. Where were you? Where were you? Now, obviously, the story that I've just told there is a very trivial example, you know, compared to some of the storms that people can face in life. But often, storms in life, when we go through them, they can bring that reaction at the end of them, can't they? Thanks a lot, God. Where were you? He seems absent. And in what we've just read, I'm sure the disciples felt the same. You know, picture being in that boat with them. There's this ferocious storm going on. Waves crashing into the boat. It's filling up with water. You're straining to bail all the water out. And what's Jesus doing? He's asleep. He's asleep. You're like, what? You know, if I were the disciples, I'd be a bit miffed. It's like Jesus just checked out. He's not even there. Psalm 44, the psalmist is also going through a bit of a storm. He says this, Awake, Lord. Why do you sleep? Rouse yourself. Why do you hide your face? It's like, I'm in the storm, God. Where are you? The word that's used in the passage isn't storm. It's squall. Great word. That's a little bit more of a descriptive word than storm because a squall is a storm that is violent and sudden. It comes out of nowhere. And can't storms in life be like that? Violent and sudden. So often, it's like we're just sandbagged from behind. We're hit by job loss or severe health problems, relationship breakdown, financial pressure, fear, death of a loved one. You know, I've known people who the enemy has taken out as a result of these kinds of storms. Where they've said, where are you, God? You're obviously not here. And they've walked away from him. And you know, as I was praying about today, and as I was kind of thinking about this passage, I really felt Jesus wanted to say something very deliberately to us today. To each one of us, he wants to say, I'm here. I am right with you. I haven't left you, and I'm never going to leave you. You know, when I was camping in the middle of the storm, and today's scripture came to mind my main memory of that scripture was Jesus comes the storm which is pretty reasonable because that's like the title right it says Jesus comes the storm that's that was my takeaway from it if there's a storm Jesus will calm it he'll stop it and I won't have to go through it right isn't that what the story says so when that didn't happen when he didn't calm the storm my reaction was where are you you must be missing you must be absent you know sometimes Jesus does silence storms in our lives like that there's like a breakthrough moment and it's gone. And that's amazing. We experience that just like the disciples did. But you see, if we're in a storm and Jesus doesn't stop it right there and then, it doesn't mean that he's not there. The storm's presence doesn't equal God's absence. It's a little bit like this. Um, Chris, can you come up and help me? Chris has been prepped. He knows what he's doing. So Chris is going to get on the stage behind me. And uh, he's going to simulate a little bit what these storms can look like. And uh, for the purposes of safety, I might need to shed the microphone. But um, the storms of life, and move this over, 
Storms of life, I think, can be a little bit like this. to plan but you get the idea um, actually in hindsight it probably would have been better to save this illustration for the end of the talk but never mind um, <laughs> now that might seem <laughs> how is anyone going to concentrate for the rest of the sermon I don't know but that might seem like a really I don't know like just a bit of a silly illustration and a bit simple and like oh yeah I get it like Jesus comes alongside us but I think there's totally a picture in that of us uh, in that for us that when we go through storms of life, Jesus is there. It doesn't mean that the storm switches off like that, but he is right there with us. He is in it with us. And because he is with us, we can go through that storm with him. He's not gonna leave us. You know, the picture of Jesus asleep in the boat is not a picture of his absence. It's not a picture of him checking out, but it's a beautiful thing of while this storm is raging around and everyone else is terrified and freaking out he is filled with peace our God is the peace bringer to the storms in our lives he can give us that even in the worst moments later in the Psalms in Psalm 121 it says this he will not let your foot slip he who watches over you will not slumber he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep and that is true our God is not absent our God is not asleep are we holding on to that truth today that no matter what we go through he is going to go through it with us in every storm Jesus is present secondly in every storm we need to hold on to the fact that Jesus is good so we had a bit of an interesting time over the Christmas uh, break uh, as our family grew from two to three with our new baby boy Judah it's very exciting I think I managed maybe 12 minutes without using my son as a, an illustration, so that's pretty good. Um, there's going to be plenty more in the future, I can tell you, but Hazel and I have been trying to figure this thing out. We've been trying to work out how do you do the whole parenting thing? How do you hold the baby? How do you feed him? How do you change the nappy? And, you know, how do you do all this stuff? The feeding probably is more Hazel's department. I've tried, but there's been very little success. But the thing that becomes apparent very quickly that we have discovered is that this baby is totally vulnerable, completely dependent on us to take care of him. But at the same time, seriously ungrateful. Like, I mean, really, I mean, nearly six weeks Judah has been with us. You know, I've been waiting on him hand and foot, not a word of thanks, nothing, absolutely nothing. My suspicion though is that Judah isn't being rude. You know, he is only a six week old baby and he hasn't developed enough to really get what's going on around him. He doesn't really understand, I think, that we're trying to help him and we're there 
for him. And so pretty much any effort on my part to do anything, whether that's changing him or washing him or, you know, whatever it is, at the minute is just met with this open hostility, just a kind of like just, just a bark of like noise in my direction, which doesn't make me feel good. Maybe I'm doing it wrong, I don't know. But a lot of the time, if I pick him up, like if he's not, if he's not like screaming at me, he'll just give me this sidelong look like this, just evil eye as if to say, what do you think you're doing? Take your hands off me like that. And I'm just finding myself like, oh, I'm very sorry, Mr. Hall, Judah, like, you know, I'm just like really nervous about, oh, I don't know if I'm doing the right thing here. I'm like, no, that's not right. Judah, I'm here to help you. He doesn't get it that when I'm caring for him, when I'm trying to rock him to sleep or whatever it is, the reaction that I'll get is like, I'm trying to torture him or something. In those moments, I want to like explain to him. I want him to get the fact that you've got this wrong. I'm not here to hurt you. I love you and I'm doing this for your benefit. And so often, you know, that is a picture of God with us or the way that we are with God. We miss what's really going on. We don't see, we're not almost developed enough to understand the fuller picture of what he's doing. And here we see the disciples have done the same thing. They completely miss Jesus' character in this moment. And they start to believe wrongly that he doesn't care and that he's not good. And, you know, I think you can see how the disciples arrived at this conclusion, right? I, I don't think it's, you know so ridiculous because whose idea was it to go out in the Sea of Galilee in the middle of the night? Jesus. And it probably wasn't the most sensible idea. Bit of a geography background. The Sea of Galilee is 200 meters below sea level, which is very low, and it's surrounded by these big mountains. And what happens is you have the cold air that comes over the tops of the mountains. By the way, I've read all this. I don't like, you know, understand it. I'm just repeating it back to you. I know nothing about geography. But the cold air comes over the mountains, and then the warm air apparently comes up from the Sea of Galilee. And when they meet in the middle, that is a recipe for disaster. That is storm time. And you get these ridiculously powerful thunderstorms that can just come out of nowhere. And guess what? The thunderstorm is here in this passage and it's bad. In Luke, it describes the disciples as being in great danger. Jesus is the reason that they're there. Jesus didn't ask them to go. He commanded them to go and they obeyed him. And now they're in danger. They're in the middle of the storm. They're terrified for their lives. And it's like, you sent us here, Jesus. You're the one who sent us here. And now what? Storms can hit us for all sorts of reasons. You know, it can be the enemy who is having a go that wants to knock us off balance. Or it can be because, because of our own actions, like a consequence of our sin. You know, we see that in the story of Jonah. He got, goes off and does his own thing. And the storm is actually used to redirect him and to save him in a lot of words. That's what the storm's for in that case. Or sometimes the storm is just because we live in a broken world and stuff happens that isn't good. But what about a storm we have to walk through because we were obedient to God? That doesn't sound right, does it? Is that good? It doesn't seem good. 1 Peter 4 says this, Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ. What is it saying? It's saying that suffering is part of being a Christian. That actually we should expect 
as a result of following Jesus, we're going to come into some storms in our lives. They're going to hit us. Sometimes he commands us to go and we follow and then the storm comes. And in that moment we can think, oh, I mustn't have heard God right. I've, I've done something wrong here. This, this feels too hard. You know, this door isn't opening. There's something not quite. I need to go back the other way. I've obviously taken a wrong turn. Storms can blind us to the fact that we're actually exactly where God wants us to be. We're on the right track. And the enemy is just trying to oppose us. He's trying to dishearten us and make us think that we've got it wrong. We can be fooled into thinking that we've not been led by God when we had. Or we can be like baby Judah and me, where we look at the circumstances around us and we don't believe that God is good. How can he be? You know what the disciples ask Jesus? They say, teacher, don't you care if we drown? And as I've been writing this talk, that, that question has kind of been bouncing around in my head and just resounding. There's such accusation there. Don't you care? Don't you care that we're drowning? And there's something heartbreaking in this moment about how badly the disciples have missed the mark and how they've totally misunderstood the heart of God. It's so true of so many in our world that they have that question of, if God loves me, if he's a God of love, then why is this happening to me? Why isn't he stopping it? If he's so good, if he's so caring, then why? And that's probably a question all of us are going to visit at some point in our lives. And I don't have a quick soundbite answer to that question other than what I found in my own experience. My, my little brother, um, John, uh, has been to this church a few times. You might have met him. He, he was born with very severe epilepsy. And so um, growing up, there would just be periods of time where he would have seizures, he would have fits, like just a ridiculous amount, sometimes more than 100 a day. And they were like severe fits, like very uh, intense. Um, and growing up, just seeing countless of times him kind of twisted and contorted in pain was horrible. And, and for us as a family, just seeing that time and time again was so hard. And for us, we, we believe as a family that God is going to heal him. And we've seen that kind of in, in little stages, but we haven't seen it fully yet. But there were moments in our life where it just felt like things were at their darkest and the storm was at the heaviest. But you know what? Even in those times where it was just, it seemed there was no hope and there was no light at the end of the tunnel, there was three words that we clung to. He is good. He is good. We have to get this at follow, as followers of Jesus, that he is good. No matter what is going on around us, no matter how bad things get, he is good. And there is power in that statement. No matter what the enemy throws at us, he is good. We have to choose to declare that over the situations that we come against. He is good over illness, over cancer, over depression, over abuse, over the worst evils. He is good. And please hear me. I don't want to list those things lightly or glibly. But it's important that those words don't hold power over us. And they don't make us doubt God's motives and his character. Because in the middle of the storm, he is good. He is always good. And if there are heavy storms that you are facing today, as a church, we want to walk through those storms with you. We want to come alongside you. And we want to bring Jesus into the equation. So please, if that is you, please speak to Chris or Libby or one of the team at the end.
But what's Jesus' response to the question? Don't you care, Jesus? His response isn't to explain himself with words and to lay out his motivations, but he acts. He demonstrates his love and his goodness. He speaks and calms the storm. He brings peace that passes all understanding. Jesus can do that. Jesus can silence the storms in our lives. But even if we don't see that right away, right there and then, he still acts to show us his love and his goodness. He promises that he will draw near to us when we draw near to him. He promises that in the tangled mess of pain, he can make all things work together for our good. That's a crazy statement. In the mess of life, God can bring good out of even the darkest evil. Wow. We look through the Bible and see God acting for good time and time again, caring for his people, drawing them to himself. And ultimately, he acts out his incredible love and he shows it for us on the cross, for each one of us. In the storm, he is good. And where the enemy would want to use the storm to overwhelm us, to whisper lies about Jesus and who he is and snuff out our faith in him. We need to hold on to that truth that he's good. And just for, for John, like he's, he's still not well, but there's just some, the way that he loves God is incredible. You know, he's, he's, he has a very simple understanding of the world, but he loves Jesus passionately and he loves to worship really loudly, like really loudly in public places. That's his thing. And it's just so sweet being able to see him and my mum get on a bus and John will be singing bless the Lord or something really, really loudly. And then mum will kind of like come alongside and then she'll talk to people. And there's just a little evangelistic team. There's so much pain and so much difficult things in his story, but there's so much joy as well. There's so much good that God can bring out of it. In the middle of the storm, Jesus is present and he's good. Finally, we need to remember that he's God. I went to Norway a few years ago um, as part of my year out with, with church, with uh, DNA. And um, it was a really good trip. I was very excited about it. I'd never been to Norway before. I'd seen incredible pictures. Uh, I, I wanted to explore as much of it as possible. And I was just really desperate to hit the ground running. And when we got off the plane, we were picked up by a local pastor um, at the church uh, that we were going to, that, that we are going to be staying with. And uh, he, he was driving us along, we we're just chatting, and we're just kind of thinking, oh, what's going to be on the itinerary? And he starts talking about how in the last few days there's been really heavy flooding um, in the area. Um, and he was like, well, I think one of the first things we're going to do is we're going to visit the local dam. And I was just like, cool. <laughs> that's, um, that's why I'm here. Yeah, that's why I came all the way to Norway to see the dam. And I just really was like, I didn't want to be rude or anything, but like, I just kind of felt like, not really that excited about the dam. So I was like, okay, right, yeah, we'll do that. And then a few days later, sure enough, he takes us to this, this dam and kind of we're in the car and I'm just thinking, what are we doing? This is a waste of time. We could be seeing all sorts of things. And as we get out of the, uh, of the car, you can just hear, as soon as you open the car door, this low rumble kind of in the background. And as we get closer and closer to the dam, it's this noise just escalates and gets louder and louder until when we're at it, it's just this deafening roar like you wouldn't believe and actually seeing 
like this water coming up close is just incredible. And he goes on to say, and we can barely hear him because it's so loud, but he's like, because there's been flooding, you know, the dam would normally be open like this much, but now it's open this much. And it's just all this water is just crashing down. And I've never seen such like a raw kind of elemental display of power. It was honestly, it was just breathtaking. I was like, I love dams. I need to visit more dams. Oh, this is great. I've, my eyes have been opened. <laughs> and uh, you know, I was in total awe of this raw power on my way to the dam. I had one idea of what it was going to be like, and it was the total opposite to what I was expecting. And the disciples see here when Jesus speaks to the wind and waves, and suddenly the storm stops dead in its tracks. It is not what they were expecting at all. Their reaction is like they're terrified, and they're asking each other, Who is this man? Even the wind and waves obey him. I don't know what they were expecting initially when they went to wake Jesus up. They probably thought, well, if we wake him up, he can like grab a bucket or something and start helping bailers. I don't think they were expecting what he did to happen. But instead, what happens? He doesn't do that. He stops the storm. They are confronted with the raw power of God, the creator of wind and sea and everything else and it's like nothing they've ever seen before and their view of Jesus is changed from that day they can't look at him the same way and although they haven't quite worked it out they discover in time later on who he really is that he is the Messiah he really is God I wonder if this had happened at a different moment in the disciples journey you know if this had happened at the point where they knew who Jesus was they knew that he was God whether this storm story would have played out a little bit differently would they have got in the boat and been like oh, it's fine Jesus is with us you know he can do it we're going to be totally okay you know we might might kind of think that it seems like reasonable you know God's in the boat with us the son of God is here in the middle of this storm and from our kind of view of looking at this story with a bird's eye view we can kind of you know think that yeah of course they would act differently you know if they realized God was there with them he's he's the God who created everything he's the alpha and the omega there's nothing he can't do he put the universe together for goodness sake like of course like their faith levels would be like that right this is the God that we're talking about it's really easy to say that but when we put ourselves in in our own lives in the picture of that storm are we always great at remembering who Jesus really is or is it a little bit foggy like the disciples? You know, we can believe Jesus is present with us in the storm and that he's good. But sometimes I look at the way that I act when things aren't going well in my life. And I have to ask myself, Dave, do you really get it? Are you really grasping the fact that you are in a relationship with the living God, the author of of life, that he is the one who's on your side. When you talk about Jesus being with you and for you, that is who you're talking about, Dave. If our reaction to like that news of God being with us is to kind of like, be like yeah, I get it, and kind of like nod and smile, and for that news not to affect as much, then I want to suggest that we don't get it. Because when we realize that God is with us, the God of everything and all time is right here with us in the boat, that should blow our minds because as we grow and mature and get closer to God we see a bigger picture of who he is and he scales up in our heads and we're filled with awe continually as we see more of who he is and we have a reaction that's similar to the disciples where we're like I had no idea that you were like that God who is this you know what I mean it's just like it just gets bigger and bigger that's what's supposed to happen if we look at God and in our lives and we don't have that reaction if our relationship with him feels 
familiar and pedestrian and maybe a bit stilted, if something isn't stirring in us and thinking, wow, we're not quite getting it, he is God and he's with us. So the disciples are asking all sorts of questions about Jesus now, but at the same time they're also terrified. And that's actually not a bad thing. Fear of the Lord is a good thing. We're called to have a healthy fear of him. We're called to have a reverence and a respect because he is our Lord and our King like we've been singing about this morning. We're called to worship him. We're called to put him in his right place in our hearts and minds. Often we talk about and we think of Jesus as our friend. And that is 100% right. You know, the Bible says that really clearly. Jesus is our friend. We can know God and have an intimate friendship with him. But if that is the entire view of who Jesus is to us, if that's as far as it goes, then we're missing something. He's also to be feared. There's also a reverence that needs to be there. And if there is, when the storm hits, when the worst things come, we know that he's there with us. We know that he's good. But we also know in that moment he is God. And if we fear him, if we respect him, if we have this reverence, we know he's capable. We know that the storms of our lives don't threaten him or frighten him. He is strong. And for us, having a fear of God means that we turn to him in times of trouble because we know he's able. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are saved. He is able. And I just want to finish and ask us today, Maybe where has our view of who Jesus is diminished? Are there areas where we've allowed him to kind of shrink in our minds and for the storms to grow? We serve a God who is able, who is more than able. And where have we allowed our view of the wind and waves to obscure our view of who Jesus really is? We need to flip that on its head and look to Jesus, our God. In the middle of the storm, he is present. He is close to us. He is always good and he is God. We're going to stand.